This is episode 74, a behind-the-scenes coaching call with a first-time marathoner. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Jason Fitzgerald, the head coach of Strength Running and your host. I do want to start today by thanking some of you for a bunch of new reviews and ratings for the podcast in Apple Music, which I I think is the new name for iTunes, but I don't know. I'd have to ask the, the kids what they're calling it these days. Anyway, in particular, one review said that this podcast is for you if you want to up your game and improve your training. I'm very grateful for that because that's exactly the goal of this podcast and more broadly, strength running. I want to give you the tools, the techniques, the knowledge, the mindsets, workouts, and training principles to take your running to the next level. So thank you for that podcast review, and if you haven't left one yet, I would greatly appreciate it. Today's episode is different than most of our other episodes because this is actually a coaching call. I'm going to be speaking with Pam, a runner who's never run longer than about nine miles, but wants to run a marathon. And at age 46, she's not sure where she should start or even if a marathon is a realistic goal for her at this point. So we're going to walk through her background as a runner, her training statistics, like, you know, her experience with speed work and high mileage and long run distances, any upcoming races she might have, and my guidance for how she can gradually turn herself into a marathoner. Before we dive into this behind the scenes coaching call, I want to thank our sponsor, QuickTape a thin peel-and-stick foot tape that helps you manage foot and lower leg injuries. If you have plantar fasciitis, shin splints, or other foot pain, Quick Tape is a safe, easy option to help you run with less pain. Check them out at quicktapeusa.com, and be sure to use code SRPOD20 to get 20% off your first order. All right, let's hear from Pam and start our coaching call on how she can become a marathoner. All right. So thank you so much for doing this. I'm always encouraged when when runners want to come and talk to me for an hour about their running. So thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No, thank you. I was like, I've been coached my whole life. So I mean, it's very much I see a benefit in any bit of information I can get. So I'm always like, sure, I'll do that. (laughs) Well, this should be exciting because uh, I want to take you from someone who's from what I understand, has never run a half marathon to someone who has a plan for running their first marathon. Yes, I definitely say now that I'm getting a little bit older, especially after that last 5k that did not go well, I can see the benefit and instead of just pounding yourself out for, you know, a short period of time to get settled in and, you know, really enjoy your run and for a longer period of time. Right. And when it comes to running the marathon, getting ready to even do the training necessary for racing 26.2 miles, it is important to kind of take that long-term perspective and kind of enjoy that process and that journey. So that's what we're going to talk about, that whole process of getting you marathon ready. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about some things that you've struggled with in the past, some of your upcoming goals, and how you can basically best set yourself up to achieve your goal of running a marathon. So I kind of want to divide this conversation up into a couple different sections. I want to talk about your background. I want to talk about some of your training habits, and then we can talk about some of your upcoming goals. Okay. All right. So, you know, my whole hope here is that we can pinpoint specific areas for improvement, whether that's, you know, workouts you're doing, mileage, long runs that you're covering, pacing, recovery. I want to talk about a lot of different things so that you have uh, a really coherent plan for improvement for your next race and then uh, a good way of thinking about approaching, preparing for your next marathon. So let's see what you're trying to do. That's that's exactly what you're trying to do, right? Run your first marathon. Do you have a, a timeline in mind for when you'd like to do this? No, I would say that my goal is to do so when I am ready without putting a real humongous time frame on it, because then I tend to push too hard and get myself into trouble. So I, yes, I want to, I always put forth as much, you know, max effort as I can, but I don't want to set a like, oh, I'm going to do this next year. Absolutely. On September, you know, such and such, because if I do hit a, a snag, I'm more likely to be like, oh, we're not going to take that rest. We need to, cause we're on a plan and let's just struggle through and push through and probably then never achieve the goal. I don't know if that's 
good. I, you know, I sound. No, I think it is. And uh, particularly when you're going from where you are right now to where you want to be, which is marathon ready, that's a big jump. And, and we're going to talk about where your training is right now. And when you are making that big jump, it's not in your best interest to do so on a shortened time frame. You know, that's when you make training mistakes. That's when you rush your training, your long run progressions, your mileage, and that's when injuries happen. So we want to avoid that. We want to make sure that you're training intelligently and safely so that you stay healthy this whole time. Now, you right. say I want something. to enjoy the run. I don't want to be out there for six hours, you know, just dying, but Hey, I did it. You no, know, I'd like to, you know, do well at it or, so yes, absolutely. Yes, and doing well at it is is more fun than struggling through 26 miles of suffering. That's that's not fun for anyone. Now, you said something really interesting when we were emailing back and forth setting up this conversation. You said that, you know, I'm not even sure at my age if this is something that I should do. So maybe we can start there. How how old are you, Pam? I am 46 as of just a few days ago. So Well, happy <laughs> belated birthday. Why thank you. And I think you're a spring chicken. You absolutely can get ready for your first marathon. I've helped people in their 60s run their first marathon. So let's just kind of dispel with that uh, right off the bat. You're absolutely a candidate for running a marathon, particularly because you're already a runner. You know, you've already been training and running races. You just haven't really been running any longer races. Um, so let, let's talk more about that. What what does your running kind of look like on a weekly basis on average? You know, are you running uh, how many miles a week? What's your long run looking like these days? My long run, I'd say I have up to about seven miles. And I've been doing that on a uh, bridal trail that I found near our house. So it's a little bit more technical. I actually fell walking down the dumb thing. So let me just say that if your choice is uh, gravel or slightly damp, wet, dirt. I'd say the dirt's probably the better choice, not the gravel. So, <laughs> but anyways, so I've been doing, I've been doing my long run on a trail and that's about, like I said, about seven miles right now. And previous to that, I can't, I wouldn't have even comprehended even running that long. So, you know, that far, probably because I was slower and to do seven miles would take way too long in, in my thought pattern. So now that I've gotten faster and I guess that is, is that more the goal is to get faster so that that's where I'm lost in here. Like when I read that you said that on a 5k, your long run should be, what were you saying? Like 10 to 12 miles. I was like, Oh, you know, for, to run a 5k. And I'm like, well, I guess the, you know, that makes sense aerobically. So. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to think about this. Um, there's kind of, you know, the, the general principle in running is that more is better when it comes to mileage and performance. With that said, higher mileage is an additional injury risk. Exactly. That's, that's where I would come up to, right? Well, yes, because I, I was an ice skater, a competitive ice skater throughout my younger days. So you jump up in the air and you slam down on your right leg with all of that force over and over and over again. So I have always found probably like an IT band issue where the outside of my right knee would hurt going down to my ankle. And yes, I know that Anytime something hurts, I'm like, you got to strengthen it. You know, anytime somebody's like, oh my, something hurts. I'm like, you got, you know, that means you need to, you know, you need to do something about it. You don't need, you know, you need to, you need to strengthen the area. But what I didn't know until listening to you or didn't think about is the fact that just because my knee and possibly my ankle hurts, that's not where the problem lies. It was in my hip. Cause as soon as I started your IT band stuff, oh, all that magically went away. So Yes, that has been an impediment to me putting on more mileage, along with the fact that I started running with our German Shepherd. So he now eight years old is not, you know, like three, four miles and he's about done. So that used to be what we did. And um, now I've learned to take him out for a couple miles, bring him back to the house and go back out on my own. Well, that, that certainly works. And, you know, you're discovering that, you know, the strength training is so critical for staying healthy as a runner uh, is, is a very good one. And I'm glad you're learning now before you go and embark on marathon training, just because, you know, the more you run, the more important that strength training is. It's really kind of the, the armor that gives your body the, the strength it needs to deal with all the impact forces of every single foot strike that you take. And the faster you get, the more 
of those uh, higher impact forces there are with every single foot strike. So, um, you know, so it looks like you're you're starting to run a little bit more. You've gotten your long run up to seven miles. What's been your weekly mileage like and your longest run ever? Okay, longest run ever would would probably be the seven, truthfully. And then, um, no, I'm take that back. I did eight and a half um, by Niagara Falls. It's amazing when you have pretty scenery and what have you, you can just you know, go along and it seems, uh, it doesn't seem as long. Um, and weekly mileage will then I'll do like three. I was only taking two rest days and the rest of the days I was running between three and five miles and then the one long run. So what is that? 30 something? Yeah, probably in the, the high twenties, give or take, depending on, you know, what your long run might've been for that week. That's good. I mean, that's, what I would consider, you have a pretty decent base of mileage. Uh, you just haven't really gotten your long run up to, you know, a higher level. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Uh, so have you been doing a lot of racing as well? Do you race, you know, 5K, 10K distances? This is my third season of doing the 5Ks. I have a 10K planned for um, Thanksgiving Day. I was going to do one last year and we ended up having out of town guests. And my husband was like, you're going to be gone for what? I'm like, what, an hour instead of a half an hour? Seriously? But okay, so I'll do the 5K instead of the 10K. And I usually would do one in June, September, November, and December. So I don't know if that was too much because I did feel I this past June um, I think I told you I totally killed a, a 5k at least for my age group and then um, gave myself only a couple of days of rest and hot back into it and was like all right I can actually succeed at this I'm gonna you know really start doing it and took myself down to one rest day a week and oh my gosh did I crash it was bad it was bad, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hopefully design your training so that doesn't happen again. I mean, in general, the shorter the race, the more frequently you can do it. You know, as you can imagine, you can't do a marathon every week, uh, but you could do a month of racing a 5K every weekend, and that's not really problematic. And the other thing, too, is the more mileage that you're doing. So, you know, if you're running 20 miles a week or 30 miles a week, that's going to essentially give you some protection over over training. Uh, in other words, adding a lot of intensity to your training. Uh, now, if you're running, say, 40 or 50 miles a week, that's going to give you even more protection. Uh, you know, assuming that it's 40 or and 50 miles of, you know, easy running, which most of it should be, you know, it kind of is the counterbalance to all the intensity. Yes, that's where I was going wrong because I was doing, I think I told you too, I was running the six flights of stairs in our um, parking garage like eight times. I was finding every hill I could. I was doing sprints. I was definitely more on the side of very high intensity, shorter period of time and, and not trying to do the long run because I didn't think that that had anything to do with 5Ks. So yes, I was definitely way, way up there on the intensity. Yeah. So I think we might have found the culprit for you, you know, really starting to feel fatigued, uh, you know, earlier this year, the fact that you were doing a lot of intensity without a big focus on a lot of easy running. So, you know, that balance was a little bit off. And that probably was why that, you know, you had to kind of take some time off and, and really kind of get back to neutral. So let's talk about these races. What, what's your best 5k time thus far? 2703. 2703. That is pretty that, good. It's okay. That one had a lot of hills. But before that, I had not been doing that. Like I said, I think because of all the hill training I did, that was where I shown. Yeah, it was, I, I can take a lot of torture for a short period of time. So yes, get up the darn hill, you know, just suffer, get up the hill. And then I also found like telling myself now use the downhill, use your muscles, like actually good, you know, don't just be like, oh my gosh, I made it and walk down the hill, use the downhill in my favor. So I think I did really well at that type of race. The other previous ones had been completely flat and I just didn't seem to be able to do well. That's when I'd sit at like 28, 30, 29 ish on those. Okay. Well, about 27 minutes for 5k, you know, that, that tells me that, you know, you're capable of running, you know, mid eight minute pace or so for 3.1 miles, which is pretty great. Uh, you know, that kind of tells me that, you know, you have some of the raw skills necessary to do well at the longer distances. Um, so we can, you know, you can, we can start making a plan for how you would, you know, tackle 
a half marathon and then potentially a marathon. So that'd be awesome. I would say I'm only five foot two as well. And my, all the height is definitely in my torso and not my legs. So it's funny how I'm probably not exactly built for doing super fast either, just because I'm only a five foot seven guy and uh, my legs aren't that long either, but I've known quite a few very short runners, both men and women who are, are very, very good. So don't worry about the, the length of your legs. Let's just make sure you can move them really fast. That, you know, I actually also got fitted for shoes and they did a gait analysis and the guy who watched me, he's like, actually, he goes, you're incredibly efficient. He's like, you don't lift your legs up real high. He called that something. I don't remember what it's called. He's like, you do not. He's like, but it's incredibly efficient. And I do sit at like 177 to 180 on um, the strike count, which I know you said is not that important to worry about. But yeah, I mean, that's your cadence. So how many steps you take per minute. And, you know, if you're running your easy pace under 10 minutes a mile, um, and you know, I'd say you're probably somewhere around 10 minutes a mile, you know, when you go out for an easy run, that's pretty much where you should be, uh, if not uh, even a little bit on the high end, which is just fine. So I think your cadence is good. You probably are uh, a more efficient runner. So that's another encouraging sign for you moving up to the longer distances. You know, in other words, if you had a lot of inefficiencies, if your mechanics, you know, had inefficient movement patterns to them that are simply just going to make you a much better candidate for a running injury when you start running longer long runs and increasing your mileage. So that is a good sign. Now, let's talk about how you might prepare for some of these 5Ks that you've run in the past. You know, do you kind of put a training plan together? Uh, what's your normal approach? again, probably backwards in nature. Like I would start off really easy and then start adding more sprints, longer sprints, harder sprints, um, adding some fartleks to my long run, like just upping the intensity, um, up until the day. Uh, I'd say only recently did I learn about maybe backing off that last week, um, and tapering down. So that worked again, that worked well for June, um, that I did. So, but before that, like I said, probably slightly backwards, putting all of the hard effort in at the end. Is that correct? Well, training should be periodized, which in other words is kind of, you know, how you go from the beginning of a season to the end of the season, how you go from uh, less intensity to more intensity. And generally speaking, periodization does have more intensity in the final week, weeks, uh, or, you know, final one or two months of a training season. So that, that general approach is good. Um, you know, probably what could be improved is the progression of individual workouts and long runs and mileage. So, you know, the general idea of, you know, easy in the beginning of the season, harder and faster, more intense in the later weeks of that season is great. That's exactly how you should do it. Uh, but, you know, of course, the devil's in the details and how we kind of go from, you know, let's say we're going to start with an easy fartlek and then we're going to end with, you know, a, a very challenging, say, track workout that is going to mimic the demands of a 5K. You know, there's a lot of steps that you take in between to make sure that a you're ready for that workout that hard track workout and b that you know you're going to be able to do it and do it well so that you know you get the physical benefits of that workout and also the confidence you know just the confidence of doing it and executing it and doing it well so that when you line up on race day you think to yourself you know i did that really hard workout on the track that was very similar to a 5k you know maybe it was three times a mile at goal 5k pace then, you know, I'm confident that I can really achieve my goal today. Yes, I felt like, oh, I can do this. And I probably started off way too fast. I started at the beginning of the pack. And I think, yeah, I went out way too fast. And maybe that's also why I like just could not settle in and catch my breath. I, I don't know if that's a thing. Like if you just go, you know, gangbusters at the beginning, can you just never get yourself, you know, get yourself back together? Or if it was the heater? Um, a friend of mine likes to use the line, a race can't be won in the first minute, but it can be lost. So if you do start too fast, you kind of dig yourself into a hole that you're never going to get out of, you know, as you can imagine, let's say you're, let's say you're trying to run a marathon at nine minute mile pace and your first mile is, 
you know, your first two miles are done in 16 minutes. Well, you've really just damaged your muscles and eaten through a lot of fuel and, you know, worked through a lot of energy that you really didn't have. And that's going to come back to bite you later in the race. So you can certainly go out too fast. That's a, a classic mistake. Uh, I'd say it's more important to go out conservatively in longer races. So say for the, the marathon or even a half marathon. But, you know, when it comes to a 5K, you know, your first mile can be fairly aggressive, uh, particularly if you're trying to go for a personal best. Uh, I, I like to see more aggressive pacing strategies the shorter the race because, you know, you're, you're not dealing with low fuel stores. You are just dealing with, you know, the rising acidosis in your muscles. You know, your muscles are just becoming acidic. That's what's slowing you down, you know, later in that 5K. And hopefully the, the fitness that you've gained over the season, all the workouts that you've done have given you the tools to overcome that and finish strong. Uh, so that's, you know, really the goal of all those periodized race specific workouts that we do throughout the season. Okay. Now when you talk about a season, do you mean a calendar year season or do you mean like, okay, I finished a 5k now I'm going to, I'm going to slow down again to the next, do you mean in between races or do you mean calendar year? So I kind of mean something a little different. I kind of mean like a three, four, maybe five month block of time that has a specific goal. So when I say season, a lot of the times that means your training plan. So, you know, you always start backwards. You start with your goal race and uh, you work backwards from there. Okay, I wanna run this, this 10K on Thanksgiving and uh, I'm gonna schedule some tune-up races before that 10K. But you know, the, the couple months beforehand are all geared toward that one race. Now, of course you wanna do well in your tune-up races, but you know, the ultimate goal okay. of that season is the goal race. Okay, so pick one, use the others as a tool to get you to to doing really well on that last one instead of trying to PR, you know, each single one. That's just not, how should I say, doable or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible, but as you can imagine, let's say, you know, if you have four or 5k races and you're only doing them once a month then it's going to be hard for you to periodize your training and uh you know if that's if that's september through december you know your your fitness changes and evolves and ebbs and flows throughout the months and weeks and you're not going to be in top form september 1st and december 1st it doesn't really work like that you kind of have to go through a cyclical nature of training where it goes easy moderate hard recovery easy, moderate, hard recovery. And that's kind of a general flow of a training cycle or a season or a training plan. Excellent. Our strength training group and um, following those plans, I take it if you were, like you said, recovery. Okay. If you did, if you recovered, then you, can you jump right into yours? Like those plans running, like I know on Saturday, okay, I'm supposed to do eight miles. If I had not done anything for let's say the winter and was starting up in spring is that something you just jump into or should you be doing before you even start your training plan well so when i say recovery i kind of mean like the time that's immediately after a goal race so let's say it is you know ultimately we're going to talk about how you can run a marathon so let's say it's your marathon you run a marathon what do you do the next week? Well, you probably shouldn't really run much, if at all. So that's really your week of recovery. You know, I like to see runners take one, two, or three really easy weeks where you're just kind of getting back into the swing of things. You know, you're not really running any structured workouts, uh, but you're very gradually getting back to a quote, normal workload. Once, you know, kind of like a month after the marathon, you've had some time off, you've had a couple easy weeks, now you can actually jump into a training plan. You can jump into, uh, you know, a, a well-structured, periodized training program, you know, assuming that that training plan, you know, has some easy weeks at the beginning, which of course it should, because those early weeks are, are really a base training type of uh, phase of training. So, you know, that's kind of how to think about recovery. Uh, obviously, you're going to need less recovery after a 5K. You know, maybe you take a, a week off, particularly if you've been training hard for this 5K for, say, you know, three, four or five months. Take that week off, you know, really let your body recover and, you know, heal any kind of issues that you've been dealing with throughout the season. Then you can have, uh, you know, a week easy and, and then jump into a plan. But it's always good to 
you know, cycle through training cycles like this? You know, you mentioned taking the winter off. Yes. I was going to say, I don't want to do that. So I'm glad to hear that that's not really what you're talking about. So unless there's like a really big issue going on, I really don't think runners need more than about two weeks off ever. If you have a big injury and you need to take time off, that's fair. Uh, if you have a legitimate case of overtraining syndrome, yes, you might need more than two weeks. But, you know, even if you've just run an ultra marathon, you know, you've run 100 miles in a day, <laughs> you know, you can still take one or two weeks off and then begin running easy. Because look, running is a long-term cumulative sport. You know, what you do today impacts what you're able to do next week and next week impacts next month. So when you take significant periods of time off from running completely, then you know, you're just kind of setting yourself back months and months at a time. So we want to avoid that. Yeah, the shepherd is like, oh, it's winter, feels like 12, let's go, five miles, 10 miles, let's go. In the winter, or I'm sorry, in the summer, I can barely get him to go a mile, he's too hot. But so yes, he loves winter running. So I'm very happy to hear that I wouldn't have to take off gigantic chunks of time. Great, yeah. And and you have a nice little running partner who can help you get out the door. That's, that's perfect when it's freezing outside. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> I know, I'm always like staying out there. I'm like, can we go? Can you stop? sniffing every bush and let's just move so that I can stop freezing. <laughs> <laughs> let's now come up with a plan for you to run your first marathon. So here's a couple of things that I'm encouraged by. I'm encouraged that you're really eager and interested in this goal. You know, obviously if you're doing it cause you uh, feel like you have to, then you're not going to be as passionate about it. Uh, the fact that you are, are running actually pretty decent weekly mileage, but without a, a significant long run, you know, that means that you're running very frequently and you're running, you know, four or five miles at a time. Uh, and you're doing that, you know, almost every day a week, five, maybe six days a week. That's great. You might actually want to reduce the number of days that you run and increase the distance of some of your individual runs so that you can work on running longer without working on running more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was very, I was like, oh, this is very encouraging, refreshing. When I did pull up one of your training plans and see that there are three rest days a week, I was like, oh, I was overdoing it. Yes, I can see that now. So yes, you do, like you said, work hard on your hard days, have your easy days be actually easy. So I have been adding lifting to the the fast day and my long run day, and then just completely taking it easy on those other days instead of trying to lift and do whatever on an, you know, on one of the off days. Yes, that is perfect. What you're doing is polarizing your training. You're making your easy days really, really easy, and you're making your hard days even harder. And so that's really prompting the body to get fitter and adapt to more stress on those days. And then, you know, in your recovery days, you're really just recovering. You are letting your body adapt to all the hard work that you did the day before. So yes, that is a, that is a great strategy and approach. Um, so those are a couple of things that I'm encouraged by. Uh, one of the things that I didn't ask you about was your experience with running injuries. Do you have a significant injury history or are you able to run without any major issues? I wouldn't call it an injury. Like I said, well, I did end up going to like an orthopedist once for like the ankle foot pain. It was like arch pain. I was disappointed. I was expecting like exercises, like this is what you should do to strengthen it. And instead she like taped it up and said, don't walk on it for three days. And I went home and took that off and said, forget that. And, <laughs> yeah. And then kind of also kind of struggled with uh, what to do about it. I didn't quite know. I knew that something needed to be fixed, but I didn't quite know that has plagued me until until i found you so maybe six months ago i would get to that's another thing that stopped me with the higher mileage i would start get you know as soon as i'd increase the mileage these little nagging aches and pains would come back i wouldn't say that it was an injury per se it was just something that would bother me but that has been really really good so for like six eight months so i'd say i probably have that licked knock on something yeah, knock on wood, but that that is very encouraging, uh, particularly going, you know, six, eight months without this injury or annoyance, however you want to classify it as, has come back and, and you haven't really experienced it for a while. So that's great. I think this is yet another good encouraging sign. You know, you're not someone who's getting injured every six weeks, every eight weeks uh, with a different Achilles problem or IT band syndrome or, or foot issue. So that is great. I think that you could definitely run a marathon next year. 
So let's kind of talk about how we can do this. And of course, this is, you know, if you wanted to go with this schedule, of course, there's a lot of different ways that we could do this, but you know, we're recording this the very end of September. Uh, you are gearing up for, uh, a 5k on Thanksgiving. Did, did I remember that correctly? No, I was going to do the 10 on Thanksgiving and then the week of Christmas. I love doing this race because we're up here in, you know, cold Ohio and it's usually snowing and it's just so peaceful. And I love it so much, but they only offer a 5k on that day. So it's usually like my last race of the season. And then we just go to whenever the German shepherd wants to run until spring again. Gotcha. Okay. So this is, uh, this is, this might actually be a nice little schedule for you. You could spend the fall season, you know, September through December focusing on the 5k while at the same time working on, you know, maybe getting your long run up to nine or 10 miles, uh, do it very gradually, you know, maybe increase it by a mile every two or three weeks. You can take a recovery or down week with your long run distance every you know, maybe four, five, six weeks or, or as needed. Uh, I think we can be a little bit more flexible with a cutback long run in this, in, in this particular scenario. You know, the, the secondary strategy for doing that is, you know, of course we're training for a 5k, you know, you're going to run a 10k on Thanksgiving, but we're also thinking long-term. I want you to try and race a half marathon in the spring. Cause if you can run, I mean, if you can run a 10k, then you are ready to start training for a half marathon. So, you know, this season is kind of your preparation for half marathon season, which I would say is, you know, the winter into the spring. And if you were able to do that, then, you know, the next step is running a marathon. Uh, and then you could potentially schedule a marathon for the fall season of 2019, because, you know, getting your long run up to nine, potentially 10 miles this fall, then for the half marathon, you're going to get your long run up to 12, 13, maybe 14 miles so that you're, you're adequately prepared for the distance. And, you know, again, you can run it well, as opposed to just trying to finish and, and make it through the distance. Now that you're comfortable running double digit long runs, now you're ready for a marathon training cycle. Now, depending on how this, the timing works out, you could go back to the 5k in early summer or late spring and try to run another really fast time. You know, again, Take some time away from running super long distances, but still maintain a decent long run. That will ensure that you're ready to start marathon training sometime in mid to late summer for a fall marathon. And, you know, you can pull up any training plan for the marathon in the team strength running members area and see where the long run begins. Depending on the complexity and difficulty of the plan, it's usually somewhere in the 10 to maybe 15 mile range. So you just need to ensure that you're physically ready to start a training plan with a double digit long run. And coming off of a half marathon training cycle for the spring season, I have no doubt in my mind that you would be able to do that and have a very successful marathon training cycle. I mean, this is kind of like thinking, how do I get ready for a marathon over the course of an entire year? And this is how we would do it. What do you think? It sounds great. So my one question is, as I noticed on, okay, so right now I'm doing the advanced 5k plan. Should I stop doing that for right now and do something different or should I stick with that? And then also I noticed like, okay, I'm on week one. Okay. So on Saturday, I'm supposed to do eight miles. Should I not push myself to do that? Should I dial back the long runs and just kind of do my own pace with those? Or should I just say, screw it and jump <laughs> in? Screw it and see how, see what happens. Well, I think you could do a little bit of both. Um, so let's look at the workouts. So the faster training sessions and the overall weekly mileage of that training plan that you're considering. And do any of the workouts or any of the weekly mileage totals just scare you? Like, are they just in your mind way too hard or the mileage is too high and challenging for you? I would say that no, in that, because it builds gradually. If I can, you know, do okay on the eight on Saturday, so, you know, maybe try it, see, see where I get and see how I feel. And if I can do that, then no, obviously you can gradually work up to more. So no, nothing really scares me. I just don't want to do, what do you call it? Too fast, too soon, too 
the three twos. Um, I don't want to set myself up for failure. How about that? Yeah, that that's always a, a good idea. And with the first long run being eight miles, the last long run is probably, you know, 12 or 13. Am I right with that assumption? Yes, I think so. I remember seeing like 12 on like maybe the a couple of weeks before the end of, of the plan. Right. So in this case, what I would do is, you know, that might be a little bit too aggressive. I might just use the plan as is with the exception that just do a, a shorter, I'm sorry, not a shorter, but a, an easier long run progression. So maybe you start at eight, uh, seven miles because that's a little bit more comfortable for you and you progress very gradually throughout the plan. So if it's a 16 week plan, uh, maybe you take two recovery weeks where you run a shorter long run, then, you know, that kind of leaves, you know, six, eight, uh, really 10, I think, or 12 weeks of building your long run. And if you start at seven, you know, you can get up to you know, maybe, maybe 10 or 11 if you're taking appropriate cutback long runs and you're not increasing the distance every week, which, which you shouldn't, you know, it should go maybe every two weeks or, or if you're feeling a little bit more sore or tired, you can even run the same distance for three weeks in a row before going up another mile. So I would just be a little bit more conservative with the progression of long run distances. But, you know, like, like we talked about before, you have experience running fast workouts, intense workouts, you have experience running decent weekly mileage numbers. So I, I wouldn't cut back any of those metrics, but you should be a little bit more conservative with the long run, I think, because that's going to be a big jump from your longest run ever to 12 miles in a single season. Okay. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. Yes. The, the shorter, harder, more intense ones are easy for me, but yes, those long runs tend to be a little bit more exhausting. I feel great that day. And then the next day I'm like, Oh, that was maybe not so good. <laughs> yeah. Those, those short, easy runs, uh, even the longer, easy runs, you know, a long run should be at a, a relatively easy pace. Um, That's also what I was going to ask you is should I be at like just completely easy or should you push it a tad? So when it comes to a long run, most of your long runs should be at an easy effort. You know, the same easy pace that you use for a typical base building run, uh, any easy run, that's the pace range that should be used. Same with your long run. Now, with that said, the long run can often be used as a type of workout. Uh, it's a little bit more advanced. Uh, I might have you, you know, get comfortable with the distance first before adding any kind of faster running to it. Uh, but doing things like a progression at the end of a long run is a nice way to add some intensity. So you might uh, get a little bit faster over the final 10, 15, 20 minutes of that long run, finishing it maybe around uh, tempo or 10K pace. You might do a fartlek over the final miles of a long run. Uh, I think when it comes to the 5K, you get a little bit more bang for your buck with uh, faster workouts that aren't long runs. You know, things like the the half marathon, the marathon, those are races that are much more like a long run. And so when you start running faster during a long run, that makes those workouts much more like the actual race that you're training for a half or a marathon. So I do think faster long runs, you know, however you do that, those are more beneficial for the longer race distances. Now, of course, that's not to say you know, you're not going to benefit from doing a fart like in the later miles of a long run when you're training for a 5k. Uh, I just don't think it's necessary all the time, uh, or even a majority of the time. So if you wanted to do that, what I might have you do is, you know, those recovery weeks in your training plan, where you might have a shorter long run, uh, where it, you know, cuts down to six, seven, eight miles from nine, 10 or 11, then that might be the, the time to either throw in a short fart like workout at the end or uh, do a fast finish long run. But for the most part, I think you should just be running easy, which for you, I would say is, you know, maybe somewhere between 10 and 11 minutes per mile based on your, uh, you know, 27 minute 5k. And that's kind of how you should think about your long runs. Excellent. Yes, that makes I agree. That makes sense. And of course, you can always just kind of look at the training plan and, and see which long runs have some faster running included. I know some do, and they typically are during those recovery weeks. Okay. That makes sense. 
And then, you know, the next step is kind of looking forward to the spring, you know, maybe April, maybe May, kind of depending on how much uh, time you want to train. But, um, you know, you could choose a half marathon. Uh, my recommendation would not be choosing a, you know, grueling, hilly, very hard <laughs> type of course, since it's your first half marathon. And uh, then work backwards from there. You know, you might want to work backwards 16, 18 weeks and, and start a plan, you know, whatever date that might be. And uh, then you're off to the races. Okay. I see what you, yes. And then start the, the marathon training. Okay. You know, you would train through the, the winter and spring for the half. Then you would, you know, again, take seven, 10 days or so afterwards off, take a couple weeks easy. Then you can, you know, maybe have some, uh, some training time for, for another 5k or, or a 10k maybe. Uh, and then, you know, late summer, you can choose a, a marathon plan. But what I really like about, you know, the way that we've thought about you running your first marathon is, you know, we're not going to dive right in because you could run a marathon next spring. I don't think you're going to do as well. I don't think that you would have as much fun. And I think it would be riskier for you because you're really in a matter of, you know, like nine months trying to go from a I'm a six, seven mile kind of long run runner to I need to be running 18, 19, 20 miles as a long run just to be able to get ready for a 26 mile race. And that's 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 when we've kind of shortened the time frame for accomplishing this goal. And that's when we start making mistakes. That's when it starts getting risky. And I would rather you be a little bit more patient, run this race in the fall of next year, but do so faster and healthier with fewer injuries and hopefully this is hard but with a smile on your face as you cross that finish line right and be able to and want to do it again i agree i could completely do one in the spring and yeah that would probably be it to be like oh i did it that's the end of that i'm never doing that again whereas if you enjoy it and has some success at it you'll want to do it again and that could be something that i would want to do long term as opposed to just a one-time goal of surviving as opposed to succeeding right exactly and succeeding at a race doing it well being proud of your performance that's when you get really excited about running that's when you want to keep going it becomes addictive you love the process of training you just want to do it over and over again and see how good you can get and that's the exciting part about running that I absolutely love, but it does require a little bit of patience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody wants to just keep, you know, doing the same thing miserably over and over and over again. So yes, I've always had that thought pattern of be patient and, you know, as long as you're following a plan, doing what you should be, it, it'll work out, you know, eventually you'll do it. Well, that is a great mindset to have as a distance runner. It is a mindset of success. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Well, Pam, thank you. Uh, we kind of planned your entire year of running in a very short period of time. So <laughs> I'm very excited about that. I mean, a plan is that what is, is what has been so daunting to me is just thinking of like, well, where I'm at to run almost 30 miles would take me all day. I don't want to run all day. There is no way. But then having listened to you and, you know, and, and looking at some of the training plans was like, no, you can, you know, this is, you can do it. You can do it in a reasonable amount of time, which would make it enjoyable. So I'm, I'm very pleased to have a plan. Yeah. And one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk with you and, and do this for the podcast is to kind of show runners who have never even run a half marathon, how they might think about taking a big audacious goal, like running your first marathon and breaking it down, breaking it down into, you know, daily goals. You know, my daily goal right now is to run three miles super easy. And then you start thinking about weekly goals, monthly goals, and soon you're thinking in terms of seasons. So you have your 5K season, you have your half marathon season, then you have your marathon season, and you've gradually made that big goal smaller and smaller, and you're chunking it down into more approachable and manageable sub-goals. And that's really how you accomplish some of these crazy things that you know runners tend to do, whether it's running your first marathon or 100-mile ultra marathon. You, know, you have to think long-term like that. And when you can do that, you're a lot more successful, and it's a lot more fun. Absolutely. My coworkers here are like, oh my gosh, Pam, you ran five miles. I could never do that. And one day I looked at one of them and I said, you know, I said, yes, you can. I said, because eight 
eight years ago when we got the puppy, uh, or, you know, got the German shepherd, what did I do? I walked for five minutes and I jogged for 30 seconds and did it over and over. And before I knew it, it was like, okay, well now we walk for four and we run for a minute. And it took me this long to, to get to this point. So yeah, you don't start doing this overnight, but is most certainly doable. And it's so motivating to see the changes in yourself. So, you know, absolutely. It's, it's been a great process. If running has taught me anything, it's that big goals can be achieved with a patient and strategic outlook. And that skill, I think, has come and it's come with me throughout my life. And no matter what issue I might be dealing with or problem I'm facing, I'm able to use that mentality that I learned from running to help me in life. And that is one of the reasons why I love running so much. I think it is a sport that helps you in so many other areas of your life, particularly when, you know, you're going out and trying to do these big hairy, audacious goals like running a marathon. You know, when you can do that, when you can mentally grapple with those huge goals, that does rub off on your personal life, on your professional life, your family life. And I think you're uh, just a better person for it. So Pam, I'm excited that you're you're embarking on this journey of running a hell of a lot more than what you have ever run before. Uh, I want you to have fun with it. And, you know, as we're wrapping up, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, all your questions are answered. You know, you have a good plan in front of you, um, you know, kind of a, a big picture plan. Um, but, you know, what else about your running is, are you uh, concerned with right now? Do you have any struggles that you're going through? What other questions can I help you with today? Let me think. Um, would you keep doing the hills and the stairs and the that kind of thing? Would you, should I keep that kind of um what you want to call it? What did you call it? Good workouts. All right. You know, Type like the intensity, that's it. I'm sorry. Should I, should I keep the intensity up on some of these? Cause I noticed looking at the plans, like, yeah, you've got like these, the strides or the, um, the tempo runs and so on. Should I, can I play with those and keep doing my, my hills and my stairs or is that not, is that not helping me long term? Yeah, I wouldn't do stairs. I don't think stairs are very specific to running. Um, you know, there's just better ways of of gaining strength and you know aerobic strength than than running stairs. Uh, I think there's a lot of impact in stairs. Uh, hill workouts are probably more effective than stair workouts. Uh, you know, obviously because you're actually running up the up the hills rather than kind of running up a flight of stairs which you never really experience that in a race. It's just kind of a different way of moving. Um, but when you kind of have this idea of adding more intensity to a training plan, I'm very hesitant to that um, because I think, Pam, a lot of your benefits uh, and your areas of improvement are on the other side of the spectrum. You're going to get a lot better by running more and getting your long run up because you've already had a lot of experience with intensity. So my my first inclination is to say, let's skip the extra stuff that that you're inclined to add to the training plan because I think that the the other things in it, the the more structured workout, the way that those workouts progress and build on each other, you know, that's kind of the secret sauce. It's really the structure of the training. And, you know, when you start adding a lot of things to it, then they don't progress well or they don't mesh well with the existing workouts. So my my advice is to kind of keep the plan as is. And, you know, if you want to run some extra strides instead of four, if you want to do six or maybe even eight, then I think that's fine. Uh, again, that is an opportunity for you to run fast more frequently without really even adding any more additional intensity to your training because strides, you know, they're very fast, but, uh, you know, they're not a, a maximum effort, 100% speed kind of a sprint. They're more like a 95% controlled sprint and you get a full recovery. Um, you know, you, you don't have to do these with short rest, you get a full recovery, uh, and you know, you let your heart rate come down. They're not challenging. It's almost like a drill that you do after an easy run. So that, that is a way for you to add a little bit extra to your plan without any of the, the risk of running stairs or, uh, more frequent workouts. 
Okay. Or for instance, on my long run, the trail run, the fir- the very beginning of it has three significant hills. So I would walk up the hill at the beginning to kind of as almost like a warm up, and then do my my run. For the rest of the trail is is quite it's simple, or there's no hills or that kind of thing. And then I come back down and make myself run those hills at least three to four times at the end. Is that something? Is that just too much too? I think you can run those hills as long as you're running them, you know, at an appropriate pace. So, you know, if you're if you have a four or five mile run on your training plan, uh, that's supposed to be at an easy effort. You can still run a hilly course for that short run. But, you know, you shouldn't run those hills hard as a type of hill workout. They should still be at an easy effort. Obviously, you're going to run a little bit slower on the uphill, maybe a little bit faster on the downhill. But in general, the effort of the whole run should be fairly easy. Easy, regardless of what you're doing. Okay, that Correct. makes sense. All right. Well, thank you so much for all your help. Oh, my pleasure. This was this was really fun for me because I love just you know kind of connecting a little bit more deeply with uh, my runners and and hearing more about what you're doing with your running right now, where where you want to go with your running, and and how I can help you get there. So this was really fun. Uh, I hope you got some value out of this, and now you know what to do such incredible things and they seem to be so way ahead of me and I was like you know I don't even know if I belong on this group because I'm not remotely near where any of the you know anybody else is but maybe maybe a lot of people are and I'm just the only one talking you know out there talking about it well like I always like to say we don't care how fast you are we just want you to be passionate about getting faster and improving as long as you want to become a better runner team strength running is for you fantastic definitely And there we have it. That was my discussion with Pam on how she can approach the marathon over the next year. And there are a couple of ideas I want you to take from this episode. First, there are no shortcuts. There are no magic workouts, secrets, or hidden strategies that's going to allow you to run further or longer. There's only hard work. And Pam is going to have to work quite hard to make her marathon dreams a reality. Second, always be training. Whether that's for a 5K, a half, a marathon, or simply a preseason base building phase of training, whatever you're doing, make sure it's progressing toward one of your goals. And finally, recognize that exciting goals take time. Pam could probably run a marathon in five to seven months, but I don't think that approach is ideal. It's too risky and would likely give her an unpleasant first marathon experience since she wouldn't be as prepared as she could be. Now, in reality, it's going to take Pam about a year to put together the training necessary to run a successful marathon. I hope you're able to absorb these principles and apply them to your own running. Lastly, before you leave today, I do want to talk a little bit more about our sponsor, Quick Tape. I know many of you are struggling with stubborn injuries like plantar fasciitis, for example. Quick Tape is a foot support strap that can help you run without pain or with less pain. They do this by supporting the arch with a single piece of medical-grade athletic tape that you can apply in less than a minute, and it helps with proper foot alignment and can provide relief when you're just getting back into running after an injury, particularly with foot and lower leg injuries. And the cool thing is that quick tape doesn't stretch, which means it's not going to stretch out and reduce the support that you're getting. It's also virtually foolproof. There's no cutting. There's no stretching or layering of the tape. You can wear it with or without shoes in the shower even, and each tape lasts for up to seven days. As a podcast listener, you can get 20% off your first order with code SRPOD20. Just visit quicktapeusa.com and enter the code SRPOD20 to claim your savings. All right, runners, until next time, run strong.